Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's do this. Woo! Ring the bell. This is Between the Ropes. Oh, you're going for the dirt, for the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's time to get Between the Ropes. Between the Ropes. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining in. It is the Between the Ropes podcast. Brian Fritz, Michael Wiseman. We appreciate everybody for listening wherever you're listening to us. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. You can also find us on Google Play as well as the TuneIn app and on SoundCloud as well. So I survived a hurricane, even though uh, it did not directly hit Orlando. In fact, we Mm -hmm. got uh, about half the amount of winds that uh, were forecast. So we got very, very lucky when it came to that. So we're very fortunate that uh, Hurricane Matthew did not hit us directly. Um, and it was headed up to your neck of the woods as well. I know you're on the western part of North Carolina, but how much did you feel of, of that hurricane? So are you saying I'm in the woods because I live in North Carolina? Is well, this some that, kind that, of like... That, that That goes without saying, man. You, you're, just, <laughs> you're sitting back there, you know, you're just uh, you know, humming on a you know, jug and drinking yeah. your cheer wine. Hey, y'all, come on down. Go and drink some Mel Yeller and moonshine. We're going to be drinking here all night long with the hurricane here coming in. I got my plaid shirt, my shotgun. <laughs> We're ready to go. Wow. i tell you what. So here's, here's – I did not feel it directly here in Winston-Salem as much other than a couple of days of rain, um, a little bit of flash flooding maybe nearby, and um, we had um, we had some winds, you know, a little bit of winds. Not too bad. But I did feel the impact in two other ways. So – I like First what you off, did there, impact, because we're going to be talking about uh, impact. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, I did feel the TNA in two other ways. Well, that seems real sleazy. So. <laughs> wow. I didn't know we were going to go there this week. X-rated. Going between the sheets this week on Between the Roots. I don't know if you know this, but you know that was a gimmick back in the day where a couple of people actually said that. Really? Oh, Lord. I'm not that much of an insider, I guess. Um, I guess not. Oh, so here's what happened. I watched the NC State game Saturday. NC State fan, go pack, playing Notre Dame. NC State grad, I should say, go pack. Um, and if you watched that game on ESPN, it was a hell of a game to watch. A lot of fun. It was monsooning on the field while they were playing the game. Uh, people could not kick field goals. It was gorilla monsooning passes. on the field? What? <laughs> gorilla monsooning. It was playing defense. It was bizarre. It, it was just this whole series of events. Um, but the game was entertaining to watch. There were some great highlights come out of it of like passes just floating away into the great abyss, the great beyond. Um, Notre Dame only scored three points, so that should tell you how messy they turned the, the ball was. over like a dozen times. I think. It was funny. It was like people would fumble the ball, and then the person who picked it up would fumble the ball. That was it. The other thing was, of course, birthday weekend, um, annual tradition of going to the NASCAR Sprint Cup race in Charlotte. So we were all set to do that, and the rain caused it to get rained out until Sunday. But that was okay because my boy Jimmy Johnson won the race. Um, so, yeah, you know, it ended up being good. But that's how we felt the effects. There were some really bad floods down near the coast. I had some people I know um, in Durham and Raleigh lose power for two days. I mean, it, it's mm. pretty crazy. But, um, yeah, you know, we survived. Now, did you have any beer left over from the uh, birthday party? Because I'm sure you've got something right now, right? I, I, you know what? I've had having beer like since Saturday on. So Sunday, you know, NASCAR races, you can carry all the beer you want in. So uh, carried in a, a plenty of beer for Sunday. PBRs? Uh, oh, no, I did not. I do. You got to drink cheap beer to NASCAR race. That's and PBR, I, man, isn't it? I know. I did. I did Bud Light. Oh. You know what's. Oh, and that's God. classy, though, for a NASCAR race because people bring in Bush Light and Natty Light. Like, we literally saw people in the grandstands shotgunning Natty Light. Did you have uh, any Schlitz or Old Style? 
No, no old style. Keystone? Oh, no, no. How about some Keystone? There was no Keystone. There was some Milwaukee's Best. I do remember seeing some Milwaukee's Best. Bud Light but... Lime? No, I, maybe. I didn't see it, but probably. <laughs> Guys in front of us had flask they brought in. You just It's open season for drinking it. Right. <laughs> and, and terrible. It's open season for, for drunks, for drinking, and for terrible T-shirts. Like NASCAR T-shirts <laughs> are the absolute worst they're the graphic designs that look like they were made at the beach. If you've ever gone to like Myrtle Beach and seen the the graffiti design that looks terrible, that's yeah. yeah well, that used to be one of our favorite things is we would go to a um, I won't name any particular cities, Daytona Beach, and we would um, <laughs> see people wearing like their weird wrestling T-shirts. Yes, and like there would be a couple that we'd always be on the look for, like um, the uh, you know NWO Wolf Pack. The uh-huh. uh, the LWO the uh, silhouette up of uh, Ric Flair you know the black T shirt with the white silhouette of his head yes or yes. Um, some there was one guy that had the Ultimate Warrior windbreaker you know just these amazing things and we'd we'd be like on the lookout for these like shirts or jackets from like twenty years ago that'd be like they thirty years be ago so now terrible they, oh, I mean like oh. pro wrestling shirts used to be as bad as NASCAR shirts still are which says a lot about pro wrestling and NASCAR I oh, guess oh god so. there there's some really really bad ones so what are you drinking uh, tonight so um I'm gonna do a little little pop of the can I'm not drinking out of a bottle I'm drinking out of a can because canned beer is the best um New Belgium my favorite brewery. They have a tangerine IPA called Citradelic. So bringing home the Citradelic here tonight on Between the Rips. So here we go. Mike's getting fruity. There we go. Boosh. Boosh. So got some beer in my hand. I like it. Now, um, have you been drinking more because your quarterback Cam Newton is injured? Uh, Cam Newton's coming back this week, dude. He is mm. coming back this week. I want to tell you something. So let's let's <laughs> let's diverge a little bit more here. Okay. Let's do our fantasy football minute. Yes. I drafted Cam Newton last year. It was a great pick, obviously. He was the MVP of the season. Uh, did not carry my team to win. I'm playing on, like, one of these internet leagues with other pro wrestling journalists. A few pro- guys from .NET, a couple other guys from across the wrestling landscape. Came in, like, the middle of the pack last year. Like, I was in the, the loser's bracket, but came at the top of that. So, you know, Cam Newton was good. Drafted him again this year. And I'm going to tell you, Cam Newton has not had as good of a season. But he is still a solid QB1. Like, if you have him on your team because he is a run and gunner, uh, you get some solid points out of him. But here's what happened. Okay, so ended up with um, – I have Cam Newton, Andy Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's also a solid performer, not quite as good as Cam. And my we're a two-quarterback league, right? So Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, and then I also drafted as a backup, not knowing he would pan out like this, Trevor Simeon. Okay, who ended up has had a good season, a good rookie season for the Broncos. Um, unfortunately, both Cam and Trevor went out last week with injuries. So I'm scrambling last weekend to put together a team. I have like injuries across the board. I have bye weeks. Um, so I ended up basically draft, like trading up and getting um, Trevor's backup, Paxton Lynch, right? So yeah. now I have two quarterbacks from the Broncos. Oh, God. And I, 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 was, I went from literally projecting out at only having 80 points and I managed to pull off, uh, if you play ESPN Fantasy Football, depending on your, your league rules, I ended up pulling off 120 points, which was a solid day. Um, the problem was, and, and coming up, making up a difference of about 40 points, right? That's pretty solid. The problem was my opponent, I don't know what happened. I forgot who he had, but they basically unleashed at 140 points. I had no chance in hell at winning last Sunday. So I'm sitting at 2-3, and three, which is still better than my Panthers at 1-4. and four. Um so. Well, I uh, I play in two fantasy leagues. I have one that's a long time one, and another one. This is just the second year. I kind of got roped into it last year, and I'm doing it again this year. And in both of them, I pulled a win out of my ass. Okay, nice. like in my main one, if I had played anybody else in the league except for maybe like one or two other teams, I would have lost. But the guy that I played, he had a, he had a low week, and I like held on to beat him by like four points with my. Uh, I mean, my my team's a bit banged up. Like I had Adrian Peterson, and he's gone for the year now. But yeah. but I, you know who I got to play for the first time? Touchdown, Tommy Brady back in the <laughs> lineup. Booyah! And then so I, you drafted you drafted a Tom Brady. Like I drafted uh, Levon Bell. Um, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Sorry, I drafted Le'Veon Bell um, as like kind of a long term pick because he was out the first few games of the right. season. But you well, got Tom Brady in my set, my other league. Get this, <laughs> I drafted three guys that were all suspended to start the year. I start. Well, I, I had Josh Gordon, 
who was suspended for the first three games, and then now he's not even going to play because he's in rehab and he's done for the year. Oh, and by the way, I, that's my third wide receiver that I've lost for the year in this league, okay? Because <laughs> I also had Sammy Watkins, who's basically done for the year, and Eric Decker, who just is now done for the year. Um, I also drafted Le'Veon Bell, who, of course, missed however many games. And I had Tom Brady in that league. But guess what? My team was good enough last week to where I held on. I won by just like a point or two. And who did I beat? That's right. Kevin Eck. Nice. Suck it, Eck. Yeah, that's right. I beat you in your league. Suck it, Eck. That's that's fantastic. I'm trying to see who I play. Um, I don't want to, you know, go too insider here. But I think this week, do I do I play Pruitt this week? Oh, do you play Will? I might, I might. Let me let me see. Match up on fantasy cast. Um, you know, it's super nerdy. No, not not Pruitt this week. Maybe next week. He's not doing too well. I think he won it last year. Um, <laughs> Good. Uh, we have terrible team names like the Coal Miners, and uh, my team's oh. name is Frank Gotcha's Cafe Club. So yeah. it's, it's <laughs> my nerdy. my team name is the same in both leagues because I'm just like unoriginal, and I've had the same team name for about ten years now. Uh, my team is Akbar's Army, and, <laughs> and my mascot is of course Admiral Akbar. And just to talk to you about how super nerdy my this is. So the guy who did the voice for Admiral Akbar passed away earlier this year, right? So mm-hmm. when we did our draft for my main league, I was joking around with some of the guys about we're going to be playing. We're going to, you know, everybody on the team is going to wear a patch this year in honor of, uh, you know, this guy that passed away, you know? And one of my friends is a graphic designer, <laughs> And he literally made like a patch, like just a logo patch. And on it, it has like, you know, when he was born and when he died. And then it says, it's a trap. Never forget. <laughs> That's awesome. So two quick things before yeah. we go too far away from it. Well, well, okay. Two quick things, then a follow-up thing. Yeah. So what is your what is your record like in fantasy football this year? I am in one league, I am four and one. In my other league, I am uh three, one and one. Because believe Man. it or not, we do have ties. You are you are you are doing good. You are doing pretty good. Okay. I'm hanging so out. I'm I'm that guy that everybody hates because somehow I win these games because mm-hmm. I'm playing like the person that has like the low week. The low week, yeah. So I'm that guy <laughs> right now. Is everybody's like, like, Oh, this guy's a fraud. Wait till we get him later on. As opposed to me, who has like a pretty good week last week, pull it out of my rear end, and then end up playing the guy who uh, has an amazing week for whatever it is. Okay, follow up question: Am I better off this week starting because I'm I'm going with my going with my man Cam Newton, right? Because he's yeah. going to come out of the out of the the injury being really strong. Do I do I start Andy Dalton or Trevor Simeon? Okay, so Trevor Simeon, as we're taping this, he's getting ready to play tonight against the Chargers, uh-huh. and uh, who are the Bengals playing? Mm. Hold on, I've got it right here. I got it right here. I'm prepared. I think they're uh, playing New England, right? Yes, they are playing New England. Um, okay. I would probably go Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking the same thing. Well, I mean, the Dalton's Cincinnati been a- game is at home, but I don't. Dal- Dalton's been a game player. Also, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but um, even with Simeon, I mean, I mean, he's played good, but it's not like he puts up really, really big numbers. He's more of a game manager kind of thing. Like, don't make any mistakes. We'll rely on the running game a little bit in our defense. I might stick with Dalton. I might just go against the grain and stick with Dalton. I like Dalton. Ooh, against the grain. It's the grain. Also, okay, one final thing. Yeah. You got a, I got a, you got an interview, right? We want to plug, we want to plug you. Yes. You got an interview? Coming up later uh, after we get done talking, um, mm-hmm. I'll air my interview with Bailey that I did on cool. Monday. Um, and she talks about, among other things, the WWE 2K17 video game, which is now available anywhere and everywhere that you can buy games, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, uh, whatever system you've got, uh, 2K17 is out now. 2K17, you know what's funny about it is I'm playing 2K17 as we, well, not as we speak, but Mm. as we hypothetic uh, not literally as we speak whatever the opposite of literally is that one as we speak sure so i will have a review of that up on uh monday i think i think we'll be good by monday nice yeah we got it we got review copies in, in monday this past monday you gotta spend a week with a game like that it seems like just first quick impressions if you are a gamer they've stuck pretty true to the foundation they built last year because last year was kind of the last two years have kind of been a rebuilding year but they they redid some systems last year some things i like some things i'm not crazy about um but if 
if you're expecting a radical overhaul, uh, that is not 2K17. 2K17 is a refinement more than anything. So, But look for that review next Monday, and I'll chat some more about it on the podcast next week. One of the biggest things that obviously they're pushing with the game is just the number of playable characters. Because yes. they have over 135 characters. <laughs> they so. do, including, um, in case you didn't know, uh, Goldberg. Go- Goldberg, um, really? Goldberg's they got game? Goldberg on the game, and, and I, you know, I've had my, my fantasy matchup against him and Brock Lesnar at the, at the WrestleMania Stadium, and it was just as boring as it was a decade ago. So, Did you wrestle as yourself or James Ellsworth? <laughs> I wrestled as Goldberg. <laughs> oh, you wrestled as Goldberg. Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. Wait, so, uh, you, you, so I have two choices when you have that match. You, you went with Goldberg and not Brock. I went with Goldberg and not Brock because he won before, so I had to stay true to history. Um and the match was a sloppy botch fest. It was amazing. Did you, you so you won as Goldberg? Huh? I did. I won did, as Goldberg. Did Stone Cold give you a stunner after the match? I did not set him up as a special guest referee. <laughs> That's but too I bad. Think, I think I'm gonna go back and play the match again as Stone Cold, as a special guest referee, and that way I can do that and that will be more fun. Nice. Well, so we'll talk about Goldberg here in um a couple of minutes. Let's let's talk about the the fresh hot news that's out there right now. Hot, okay. scorching. Hot. So Hit the music. Hot take. Da, 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 da. That's um, like yeah. not actually music. But. That 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 that's simmering right there. It's you know touching it. Okay. okay. Um. So we've all been wondering what's going on with the sale or potential sale of TNA wrestling, as this has been going on, and who's going to buy it, and when's it going to get sold, and is the library going to get spun off or anything like that? As far as we know, the tape library, even though it was reported that, uh, that's not getting spun off, or at least not yet. But they came through in the clutch. Let's clarify. Last week in the show, right, they had this big thing about, are they going to do the show on Sunday? Are they? Wait, no. Was that last week? No, that was the week before. My brain. Yeah, you're a little been, bit off. I'm, but that, I'm a little they, bit drunk. Someone, okay. and we still know who, but somebody came up with the money to mm-hmm. pay for the pay-per-view and the week worth of tapings because they taped enough shows to basically fill out through the end of the year, um, except for the last couple of episodes. One of those episodes could be a best of because they're going to do one or two best of shows at least one of the episodes at the end maybe two episodes at the end will be taped here in the coming weeks as it will all be taped at the hardy compound (laughs) as they're going to be doing a final deletion apocalypto and they're inviting tag teams from around the world like the day of the new and the uh the express that likes to rock and roll are all getting invited (laughs) Um, in fact, the day of the right. And, um, Matt Hardy even went on Twitter and, uh, issued a challenge that said, if Meek Mahan allows the day of the new, or whatever he's calling them, um, doing this off the top of my head, but he said, if he lets them be on Apocalypto, then he will show up on Meek Mahan show. Uh, uh, so, so there, that's what's going on with TNA, but, but they've taped everything. And in the meantime, we're still wondering, cause remember there's all this talk like, Hey, the, the tape library got sold to WWE and that's not the case that has not happened. And I don't even think it's going to happen. I know that Dixie Carter did have a meeting with the talent and Billy Corgan was not there. And basically she just said, Hey, I'm sorry if everybody was panicking. I didn't realize everybody was so nervous about stuff, but, um, there was oh, never going to be a problem with the pay-per-view. We were always going to have it, and things are progressing. Yes, it was a little bit of a challenge to make sure that you know everything went fine, but it was never going to be an issue where we weren't going to do the pay-per-view. And she said, hey, we're sailing ahead. And um, Billy Corgan was not at that meeting because Billy and Dixie have some problems. And that had been pretty evident in the interviews that he had done um, before the pay-per-view, it busted open and on Dan Levitard's show on ESPN Radio nationally. Well, anyway, today, this has really come to a head when it comes to the issues between Billy and the company. Because even though Billy is a partial owner of the company, something's going on here. And today, in Nashville, in the Chancery Court of Nashville, Billy Corgan, the president of TNA, who just a couple of months ago when he was named that position, Dixie Carter in a press release said, Billy is a visionary and iconic artist, a savvy businessman with an incredibly gifted mind. And the more we discussed our vision for the organization, the clearer it became that position needed to match his commitment. She said all these nice things about Billy Corrigan today. Billy Corrigan filed a lawsuit against TNA impact wrestling, its parent company impact ventures, LLC, Dixie Carter, the chairman of TNA, 
Her husband, Serge, uh, Serge uh, Salas, or Salas, I, I apologize, I can't see his last name correctly, and I've always just known him as Serge, as well as uh, the chief financial officer, Dean Broadhead. So mm-hmm. he has filed a lawsuit against them, and we don't know exactly what it's for. That is the question right now, because the court records say that um, it's a temporary restraining order. It was approved. Billy Corrigan filed a bond to support it. Uh, There is a hearing that's been set for a temporary injunction that will take place next Thursday morning at 1130 a.m. Eastern. And Corrigan has requested a six-person jury to decide the case. But all so of he's the temp- suing the company he wants to buy. Right. <laughs> and everything else is sealed. So we do not know any information about what exactly this is all about um, until they have the their day in court next Thursday. And by the way, uh, all of this was first reported by PWInsider.com. Well, that's interesting that, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to buy you. And now I want to sue you because you won't let me buy you. So I'm not- so we were talking about this earlier today when this first came out, and my thoughts were, okay, did something happen where she continues negotiating with somebody and not telling Billy about it, considering that he is a part owner? Or is there something more to this? So obviously something pretty big is going on here, yeah. and yeah. the ownership is definitely in flux, and this even puts it more in question and more in flux um, when you've got one of the owners of the company suing you know, the other owner. And, you know, the parent company. Yeah, it's it's so weird. But it seems to me that Billy Corgan is trying to keep his name in the battle to buy it and make sure something else. It doesn't go somewhere else. You know, that that's right. my speculation. I know nothing to back that up. But normally, if you're going to buy someplace and then you get wind that they're going to sell it to somebody else, you would say, you know what? I need to stop that from happening. Let me go ahead and sue them. Um, and obviously, it's under it's, it's sealed. So that yeah. Oh, by the way, let me apologize. It's Serge Salinas. I apologize. I was looking yeah, at it and I couldn't remember his last name if it was had two L's or not. But Serge Salinas. But um, yeah, the whole situation is very strange. And now it's come to this because I think a lot of people were expecting tapings are done. Now they can really get down to the nitty gritty of possibly selling this company. You don't have to worry about television until the end of the year. Um, at the beginning of the year, they're expected to be getting some money from their TV partners and uh, you know, for the ones overseas, and and then you just move forward. And and that would seem to be a good time to make a change of ownership and possibly changing the brand name and whatever you're going to do is you know be able to take over at the beginning of the year. And something has gone on, and there's obviously huge problems between Billy Corgan and Dixie Carter, and it's gotten to a point where Billy is suing the company. I mean, it's it's a wild situation. It seems like this this whole storyline has been booked by Vince Russo. That's what we're going to assume. Right? <laughs> well, you know, he was a spy that WWE sent to WCW to take them down, right? Yeah, it worked very well. And then he it, sent them to it, TNA to take them down. It worked incredibly well. Incredibly. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am very curious to see how this all plays out in a week or two. I think there is, um, you know, it seemed like maybe we were we got a, a extended lease on life for TNA, but it's going to be a rocky couple of weeks heading into this lawsuit. And right, and, and based on this, I mean, this could hold up a, a, a sale, yep, as well. And maybe maybe something's going to happen there where maybe a sale doesn't you know occur. I I don't know that to be a fact, and we've got to see exactly what's coming out of this situation. But you know, once they do go to court next Thursday, and everybody lays out the cards we get to see exactly what is going on here. And yeah. I mean, this whole thing has been a mess, uh, you know, having to, you know, just get by on a week to week basis in some cases, or basically a taping to taping basis, having to make deals with um, different people and they get brought on board to become an owner of the company. Um, they've done that with Airwalks. They've done that with fight network. They deal with, uh, you know, with Billy Corgan as he funded three different tapings, um, so there's so many different layers that go into their business dealings and how everything is structured. And then now trying to sell the company. And I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm still convinced Dixie doesn't want to sell the company or she only wants to sell enough to somebody where she still maintains the majority ownership and somebody else helps fund it. And she can mm-hmm. continue going forward, um, which she doesn't have the money to do it on her own. And 
I, uh, for, for everything that's going on, it's time for a change. This company, they're going to continue forward mm-hmm. or else they're, they're done. Enough is enough. It's time for a change. Exactly. Somebody said that one time. So, that, you know, there, there's got to be something that changes here. And this situation has got to be cleared up pretty quickly because if this gets tied up in court for a while, that's going to lead to the end of this company. Yep. That's exactly what I'm concerned about is a lengthy lawsuit process um, could turn away potential buyers. And, um, yeah, who knows? But it does seem like there has been some traction on the TNA library front getting bought out by WWE because they even sent out that survey last week about um, to certain – I saw pop up on the internet um, a couple of places about if you were interested in possibly potentially what changing the the format of the pricing guide. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that up. Let me bring up the survey right now. We can talk about this. So yeah. – and it doesn't mean that this is necessarily going to happen, but WWE right. sent out this survey. And to some different people just to get their interest on some various things. Okay. And it's about a, a tiered structure when it comes to the WWE network. And basically what they've said is, okay, um, what, which of these would you be interested in? Would, would you be interested in either of these plans? One of them is WWE network would be free. You could watch any video clip that they have less than five minutes. Each would be the video clip length. You could, Access the video archive, but you can only watch five hours per month. You could um, watch on all devices, and they would have commercials. So you'd be limited to only five hours per month. Uh And you would not get access to the Cruiserweight Classic, NXT, or pay-per-views. Plan two was you would get... um, This would be for phone and tablet only. You could watch... The big four pay-per-views, so it'd be Mania, Survivor Series, theoretically, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and the Rumble, and you'd get uh, unlimited access to the video archive, unlimited access to the 24-7 stream, things like that. Plan 3 is basically what they have right now. Plan 2 was four ninety nine, right? Four ninety nine was, yeah, Plan 2. Mm-hmm. Plan 3 is nine ninety nine, and it's basically what they have right now. Okay, I don't think there's anything else extra that I can see in there that is differently. Um, oh, uh, watch new weekly NXT episodes live. Mm-hmm. So that would make you believe that NXT could be a live television show every week. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be changing with that. Plan four, fourteen ninety nine. What do you get yeah. extra with that? Well, you get everything else that everybody always gets. You get every pay-per-view, by the way, too, um, which you also get in plan three. Plan two was you only got the big four, which, by the way, seems kind of weird. It seems like it should be the other way yes. around. You shouldn't get the big four events. You right. should get all the other ones. But on pay, uh, pay more for or right. pay less for the bigger shows. I don't I don't because there's going to be that. some people that say I only want to watch the big four events, you yep. know, and I get access to, you know, the uh, all the archive stuff in the network. But with plan four for 1499, you get all the stuff that you get right now. You get fan perks like. Early event ticket access, Hall of Fame voting. So that's right. You get to vote for the Hall of Fame. Offline contact, small group online chats. You get a second screen content. You get invites to exclusive in-person VIP meetups. Plus, you would get access to independent wrestling content. And the ones that they listed on here, such as TNA and Ring of Honor. So that makes you wonder. Are they going after TNA and Ring of Honor from the standpoint of trying to acquire their video libraries, yeah. or you know because those two in particular were mentioned? And it doesn't. And it says it says indie. It doesn't say brand new episodes. It says indie content, right? And it says video libraries. Yeah, it says access to independent wrestling content such as TNA and Ring of Honor. Yeah. So basically, that that means hey, we could buy the libraries. We get mm-hmm. access to these libraries, and they're going to go after some other companies too. Because I mean, we already know about the the library they already have. And their own content and WCW and ECW and Smoky Mountain and AWA and and World Class, you know. Um, but they want to get more stuff. They want to get more current stuff. So that means they could be going after a TNA. They could be going after a Ring of Honor. Not to buy the company, but just get the library. And they could be going after other places like um, what is now, it's MCW Pro Wrestling, which used to be known as Maryland Championship Wrestling. Um, obviously, they could do something with Evolve. They already have a working relationship there. Maybe Chikara. Um, you know, what other groups that are out there? They could do it with uh, groups over in Europe as well. So, you know, 
they're possibly trying to grab these and see what interest there is. Would people be willing to pay more money if they could get access to that content? It's weird. It's First off, it's weird that WWE is trying to add an extra tier where their bonus is, hey, watch indie content on the WWE Network, uh, which I don't know how I feel about that. I have very mixed feelings, and I don't know that it's good for independent promotions to be bought up in, in any way by WWE. I love the idea of TNA being rebranded and going to something new and their video content being ported over to WWE because it would be a fresh start for whatever TNA would become. But Ring of Honor does not need to go to TNA or go to WWE Network because it's going to basically put them under WWE's thumb to a certain extent. I'm not saying it's going to happen. We have no right. idea that's going to happen. But that seems to be the intent here. Yeah, because I think people would worry about it. And I don't know if it would be to this extent. But say they had access to the video library, does that affect any kind of current booking that they have right now? Right. What, ha- what happens there? What happens if they say, hey, there's somebody over there that we really want and they want to acquire a certain talent? And they yeah. just go out there and they get the person or say their contract's up. You know, how does that work with that relationship? So, and the other thing is, too, that it becomes more and more of a monopoly for mm-hmm. WWE. And you like the idea of people having, you know, their, their, you know, something that's different from everybody else and being on their own, being kind of their, a sole proprietor rather than just joining up with every. I mean, having everything under one umbrella from a standpoint of being able to access all those archives and stuff, it sounds great. And there's a lot of positives with it, but with that comes some negatives and some things that you would worry about and how it would work going forward. And is there too much stuff being controlled by one company and their one vision for wrestling? Exactly. And I I think it also is a, it, it highlights how WWE's, network strategy their pricing guide the way they're selling their product is not entirely worked out in a way that i think makes sense now maybe people they have people that make lots of money who make these decisions right but i'm with you why is it that the big four you can buy separately for a cheaper price when that's all that some people will buy and it seems like their idea wwe's idea of adding value to the network to make you pay more is just by putting more content onto it not the value of the content that's out there but hey let's just put Indie shows on there, and you'll pay us an extra five dollars. We'll give you more pay per views, and I think that's a problem with pro wrestling and with the company right now. Is they're spread too thin. There is too many hours. Uh, there are too many hours of wrestling on TV each week. I can't watch it all. The average fan can't watch it all, and it's diluting people's interest in it. So I, I think you're right. What could happen is some people will say, you know what, I'm going to um, instead of what I think WWE thinks will happen, which is more people will sign up at a lower price range. I think people will convert from that $10 a month down to that $5 a month, saying, eh. These monthly pay-per-views, these bi-weekly pay-per-views aren't really doing it for me. Let me just go ahead and get the Big Four, and I'll watch Raw occasionally. So oh, I right totally now, because, I mean, for four ninety nine, you can watch the Big Four pay-per-views, you could, and you can catch catch up on storylines on Raw and SmackDown every week. Right, and, and, and so um, I just – I worry that because it's just not – it's not where wrestling fans are. There's so much out there right now and so many other opportunities that – they don't need to watch it all. And I think WWE is going after the volume, right? WWE is trying to maximize the number of subscribers. That's been their whole goal from the onset. But I worry that's going to backfire because there's so much content that you can get more subscribers, but you're going to get to end up getting less and less and less per subscriber. It's the Walmart mentality, right? It's what they're yeah. going for. Speaking of content, so uh-huh. we're now in that period of two pay-per-views a month for WWE. Uh. And that meant this past Sunday we got the SmackDown-branded No Mercy pay-per-view, which uh-huh. there was something very unique that was done. So WWE, in reaction to the presidential debate that was going to be taking place at 9 o'clock Eastern that night, did a reverse in that they put the main event on first. And with AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and John Cena. And that was rather interesting. And they announced that, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, and they opened up the show with that. AJ Styles wins. So at one point late in the match, both Cena and Ambrose had AJ in a submission hold. AJ tapped out, but it's not a elimination match. It was just a normal triple threat match. So because of that, the referee said the match must continue. And with AJ Styles in it. And AJ ended up going on to uh, pin John Cena when he hit Cena in the back with a chair. It, it was a great match. Uh, funky finish. But 
I think it was a it was an earned funky finish. You know what I mean? Like the match was good enough that it was it was okay. Also because AJ Styles is a heel, it was okay for them to come back and see AJ Styles win in this fashion. Yeah. And kind of get out of the tap out. I liked it. I think it was a good match. I don't know that I agree with the strategy. I understand why they did it, but the card was weird. Fine, you want to open up. I, you, people thought maybe there's going to be some hot angle to kick off the show, whatever. It was just a great match. Uh, but you then had Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt be your main event, which there's just not enough buy-in to that feud for me. And I think they were going off of this whole Luke Harper is back and that surprise return did not buy it. And it ended the show on a very weak note, I felt like. Whereas – and also because we lost Bailey. Bailey was injured. She could not compete that night. So we lost that match as well. And the the hottest feud on SmackDown right now – yes, AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose versus John Cena was fun. The hottest feud, the most personal feud on SmackDown right now has been Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz. And it was the best match of the night, uh, the most meaningful title change – that's happened in WWE in a while, and you stuck it right in the middle of the show. So I wish, you know, I get it, open up with the the big heavyweight title match at the beginning, but you still should have saved Ziggler Miz for the end because I think you could have made that sell, right? You could have said, this feud is so personal, it is the main event, it needs to go at the end of the show. I totally agree. That match should have closed out the show because of the storyline going into it, because of everything that was on the line. Plus, on top of that, they had an awesome match. Yes. I mean, I, you can make the argument they had the best match of the night. And, they did. And I think it's the best match in Mrs. Career. Hmm. I agree. I agree. And one of the best matches of Dolph Ziggler's career as well. Yeah, it was definitely up there. Definitely. And it, it was, I mean, you look at everything that was on the line and what they had built up to, it was fantastic. And they going out there and they, yeah, they had some wrinkles in there. They had Spirit Squad and... Maurice once again spraying Dolph in the eyes with whatever that substance is. And in the end, Dolph overcame it all, and he won the match. And they laid it out really, really well. And it was just really, really good. And I don't understand the mentality for not putting that on last and not trusting it when that's the one that you built up a lot with. I understand that Randy Orton has been a bigger star and yes. uh, the Bray Wyatt, you know, and everything that goes with that. But... And my, that, that whole storyline with Orton and Wyatt, with all the little hocus pocus and dark magic and whatever, mm-hmm. that thing has been a, a bit of a mess. Uh, yes. Miz and Ziggler was just a straightforward, good guy, bad guy, get under your skin kind of thing, to the point where one guy puts his title on the line, one guy puts his career on the line, and you built up to this big match, and they delivered in the match. I couldn't agree more. I think even with the funky stuff with... Uh, the Spirit Squad and Maurice, it built into the this kind of myth of Dolph Ziggler overcoming the odds finally for this huge payoff. So you you book in both shows with those two title matches, I think it would have changed the face of the show. Now, was the, the show fine? Yes. But there was just – there was too much filler on that show. You take away the big three matches, and it just felt like kind of a, a an episode of SmackDown, you know? Well, you don't have to wait too long before the next pay-per-view. we got Hell in a Cell coming our way in a few weeks. Uh, they're doing three uh, matches in the cell. Mm. They're doing Sasha Banks and Charlotte. They are doing Kevin Owens against Seth Rollins. And they are doing Roman Reigns against Rusev. Wait, wait. Is this a, this is a TNA pay-per-view? I think I've seen this one. They're doing Lethal no, no, is no, no, Lockdown, I, right? It's not Lethal Lockdown. No, Le- no, no. Lockdown. That's, yeah. Well, that was a match in TNA. It was a lockdown yeah. pay-per-view. Every match takes place inside the six sides of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is the hell in a cell, okay. which th- this goes back to the whole argument that some people, including myself, will always complain about in that you're doing a pay-per-view based on hell in a cell. Hell in a cell was originally designed specifically to have a big match on a show. One big match. The cell one came out on rare occasions to build up to a big match and it was needed to keep the people inside and it was supposed to be the most barbaric structure in WWE history. Sure. And now they've done a pay-per-view, and this has been going on for years, that is titled Hell in a Cell. So, like, out of nowhere, whether there is a match that has been built up enough that deserves to be held inside the cell or not, you're going to have that cell match. I Again, this is a weak, a weak, weak gimmick because it has been used and abused. So, Rusev versus... Um, 
your boy Roman Reigns for the U.S. title? Sure, let's do it in a cell because it's something different. I really like the idea of them doing this Divas title match or this women's title match inside the cell. I think that's fantastic. But having three matches is overkill. The audience need to see it. And I think Hell in a Cell basically means nothing. The team that's earned it here has been the women's team, right? Sasha Banks, Charlotte, they deserve to fight for this title in the cell because their feud has been going on not just for the last couple of months, but for years. But otherwise, it's just a gimmick because your pay-per-view is named that. And it's not like Elimination Chamber where the gimmick really does drive the pay-per-view. It's like we're trying to make the gimmick drive the pay-per-view. And I yeah. think Hell in a Cell is no longer a culmination. So whatever. So you're pretty excited about James Ellsworth's big win on SmackDown where he defeated AJ Styles. <laughs> it was a clean win as well for Mr. Ellsworth. I'll tell you what, somebody who, uh, there has not been a wrestler this over for just being kind of uh, the comedic relief since Zach Gowan. Or, or not comedic, comedic relief. relief? But, Come on, man. If you, any man that has two fists has got a fighting chance. Right, right. right. Zach Gowan um, should not have been wrestling in a WWE ring against some of the talent he did that he went over on because, no offense, I know he's missing a leg and he, he can't be an entertainer, but if this is a competition, it doesn't make logical sense and it breaks down the barrier. Well, they are trying to kill time until they get the Survivor Series. <laughs> and, uh, J- and John Cena's gone for the next month or two as he's off uh, filming American Grit Season 2. So mm-hmm. now he's it's a part timer because he's a part timer, right? So now it's AJ against uh, Ambrose again, feuding. And to help kill some weeks, they've included Mr. Ellsworth, who got the victory. And next week, we'll have his rematch against AJ Styles, where this time the WWE championship will be on the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think uh, Dean Ambrose is going to be the special guest referee. <laughs> Just get I... that out there. So we're gonna see we're gonna see a new champion next week. Is what you're saying? I don't know about that. I I will say this though. Um, Ambrose is the first person I've ever seen like answer his cell phone in the middle of a match while somebody was making a cover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was good. That, that was funny. he came up with some pretty good stuff. He did. I gotta, and I gotta give I gotta give SmackDown a shout out again. So. They're killing time this week, and it wasn't as great. But that show seems to have some real direction. It seems to know what it's doing with its talent, a more limited roster, but it knows where to place people to build up views. It's not just, as you often complain about, even Stephen Booking, right? It's not just this weird parody where everybody has the same records and everybody's beating Golden Truth. They're they're setting that out. American Alpha loses, right? Because that's what makes sense from a booking standpoint. So I just – I love what they're doing overall with that brand, um, I think it is, you know, I think it is better than Raw. I know it's better than Raw. I think it's one of the best wrestling shows on TV. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler, great segment this week. Am I right? Am I right? I don't think it was as good, but it was still fine. I mean, nah, the, 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 you don't the, like the Miz. The, the, here. That's not true. Miz no. was really good. The thing is now they've changed the dynamic because Ziggler is no longer chasing. So that's where you're going to see if there's any more legs to this, because a lot of times it's it's just built in the chase and the chase is done. Yeah, well, it, it can be. But I think the Miz has to now step it up and make make it seem like and this was what happened this week. But I think he the Miz has to make it seem like Dolph Ziggler, even though he's won, that it was kind of a fluke, you know, and that Dolph Ziggler is letting everybody down, that he's not as good as he thinks he is and and all this stuff. So I think they're in the right direction. We'll see. We'll see. So Paul Heyman was back at Raw, uh-huh. and he officially threw down the gauntlet, the challenge, to one Bill Goldberg. That now that Goldberg's in the video game, and he's he beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 20. It's the one loss that sticks in Brock's craw, and he issued the challenge that Lesnar will fight Goldberg anywhere, anytime, and uh, made the challenge. And Goldberg is going to be on Raw next week. It was. It's funny because so last week um, on another podcast that I, I, I spoke a little bit about, um, I had the Bobby Roode interview, but then I also talked about some updated stuff from when we had spoke on the podcast. I had said, hey, um, because it was after the uh, ESPN interview with uh, Goldberg, and I had wondered, maybe they didn't announce it there because they're thinking, well, we're going to announce it on our television. We're not going to give that away to somebody else. Right. And that seems like exactly what they've done. They said, we're going to do it on our own TV. We're not going to give it to somebody else. We'll have Goldberg on Raw next week. And then the following week, 
It's going to be Brock's turn to be on television because Raw will be in Minneapolis, which is near his home. Okay. Well, he's now in Canada, but um, close enough. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, we're gonna and we're gonna be getting this match. It's gonna be at Survivor Series. So Survivor Series, in theory, I don't know how many matches it's gonna be, but there's going to be three traditional team matches pitting Raw against SmackDown in a five on five women's match, a five on five men's match, and a five team on five team tag team match. Oh my lord. That's gonna be twenty people in that yep. match. And they're gonna do Goldberg against Brock Lesnar. Yep. That is gonna be a nightmare of a match, is what that is. <laughs> all of those. Do you, think, those are... do you think the Ascension are sitting in the corner right now going, Okay, come on, we're gonna be one of the five. We're gonna be one of the five. We're gonna be one of the five. Come on, come on, come they're on. We're gonna be one of the five. They're gonna get overlooked. They're gonna bring in um I don't know, somebody else from the uh, Indies. What was that what was that team Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy was talking about earlier? Oh, the day the... of new. The day of new is <laughs> They express that rocks and rolls. Express uh, that rocks and rolls. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and I want to see a match. Maybe they could do the Ascension against um, Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder, and the winner gets to be on the Survivor Series team. Well, that, there we go. They're there feuding go. already, man. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're feuding already. So now you know it, we're in that period now where yeah, there's too many pay per views. Um, it is what it is. We're you know uh, on SmackDown, they're going to be killing time to get the Survivor Series. And on Raw, they've got uh, Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. You go after that. It's funny because, like, No Mercy was a good show. If you look at it for a good wrestling show, it's just how much meaning is there in a lot of it. And there's really not too much. I mean, Becky Lynch was off the show because she's she's dealing with some kind of injury or something that put her in the hospital. But she's going to be good to go um, to take on Alexa Bliss here, you know, in a few weeks. Or it's going to be in November. Um, outside of that, I mean... It's just kind of like a glorified, you know, edition of Raw or even SmackDown when it comes to their pay-per-views. I mean, there's a match or two that has some meaning, but outside of that, it's just another match in a lot of cases. Yep. And, you know, this was always the concern with going to more pay-per-views, going to the network model was eventually we're going to dilute the meaning of pay-per-views to where you can just stick random matches in the middle of it to fill time. And um, I think that's a bad precedent to set. So we had a good pay-per-view last month from SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a pretty solid one from Raw. Let's just count this up, chalk this up right now as a a misstep, and we'll see what happens to Hell in a Cell and the Survivor Series. Before we wrap this up, one more thing when it comes to TNA. Yes. PW Insider, once again, has another report following up on uh, the situation with the company. All right. How about this? TNA's former production company, Audience of One Productions, LLC in Virginia, on September 27th, filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court in Virginia against TNA parent company, Impact Ventures, TNA minority owner, Aerolux, Ron Harris, who's part of Aerolux, and TNA chief financial officer, Dean Broadhead. The lawsuit is seeking $223,000 plus interest and post-judgment costs for breach of contract, fraudulent inducement on the behalf of Harris and Broadhead, torturous interference on behalf of Aerolux, and for the defendants violating Virginia Code. What does that mean? What did they do? Tell the me what lawsuit they did. states that TNA began conversations with AO1 Productions in 2015 about a possible long-term multi-event production services agreement uh, pursuant where AO1 would provide a variety of production costs or uh, services. Uh, the lawsuit states that before the negotiation to the company's TNA production was overseen by Ron and Don Harris. Um, and it says one of the reasons TNA initially sought a long-term business relationship was Broadhead's dissatisfaction with production services work previously provided by the Harris brothers, which is hilarious that they're with Aerolux and they've been doing the production now. Right. Um, I'm just kind of skipping ahead here a little bit. Let's see. Uh, after the shows that they did, uh, AO1 was billed TNA $223,000 for services rendered in October. The following month, the lawsuit alleges that Broadhead, in an email, stated TNA was working on finalizing a new TNA deal that would put the company in 80 million homes and stated, quote, we are planning to go back into Universal Studios in 2016 and get back on the right track with our production. Please, please hang in there with us. We will come out of these difficult times in a much better position as a company and a partner. AO1 alleges this email was sent to prevent them from moving to more aggressive collection attempts on the money owed. Hmm. Interesting. And we talked about that they owe people money. Yeah. Here's one of the people they owe money. Interesting. So, and that that's another wrinkle when it comes to, you know, selling that company. We talked about, like, if you buy the company, 
you buy the debt. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. that's a pretty big debt. Because after interest and court costs and whatnot, you're probably talking three hundred grand there. Hmm. At least. <laughs> so yeah, good times there. So there's gonna be a lot to weed out when it comes to TNA. It's gonna hmm. be a lot to weed out there and we'll see what happens. So on that note, you and I are going to wrap note. up. On that note, so why don't you keep enjoying your beer there, buddy? I'm going to. And you know what? I, I forgot to say this earlier. Congrats to your Cubs. I know they've been oh. winning because I've been winning, wearing my Cubs shirt. But uh, kudos. Hats off to you. Thank you. Thank you. That's three wins down, eight to go. They won the division series. Now it's on to the uh, National League Championship Series. So put in perspective, one game at a time, man. One game at a time. That's, that's where we're at right now. And let's see what happens. I'm, I'm big what on I always co- say, right? One I'm, podcast at a time, dude. Yeah, One I'm big on karma, and I try not to jinx anything and whatnot. So it's just like, hey, you know what? Whoever they face next, so be it. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, beat the best if you want to get to the promised land and take it one game at a time. One okay. game at a time, man. Like you said, one podcast at a time as well. So I think we, that's going to be a new podcast series we do. One podcast at a time, like the days of our lives, and do, we'll just do, talk about. Do, do, yeah. do, Everyday We'll have the hourglass. Mm-hmm. Like sands to the hourglass. These yep. are the days of our lives. I don't know why I know that, but I do. Uh, watch it every day. It's okay. You can admit it. Cool, man. Well, we will, uh, we'll be back next week. And in the meantime, for everybody else hanging out, continue listening because now you can hear the interview that I did earlier in the week with Bailey. Tell me, when did you uh, find out and how did you find out that you were going to be in the uh, 2K17 game? Well, I was hearing rumors about it from people, but I also heard rumors about it last year where I was like, you know, a little disappointed that it didn't happen. And um, then I was like, okay, okay, I'm hearing that I'm supposed to be in the game and I don't want to count my chickens or anything. So it wasn't until I got an actual tweet from a fan where they, the fans always see the stuff before I, I do. So they sent me a picture and um, it was just like the little default thing of me on the game. So I was like, oh my God, it's really happening. And then, you know, I kept getting tweets and tweets and videos of my entrance and little clips from um, when they posted everyone's intro, uh, entrance from IGN and stuff. So then I went on the 2K17 Twitter and it was real. And that's when I was like, I kind of sat on my couch for a little bit and felt a little warm and weird and text my brother right away because we used to play the WWE games when we were kids. So I told him that I actually did it. And now he's like, fine, I guess I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, what kind of a feeling do you get when you see yourself in a video game or as an action figure, things that you probably always dreamed of being in. Yeah, it's still really surreal. It's like, it's hard to get used to. Um, I'm still very much a fan myself. So um, having my own action figure is a huge deal. And um, my nephews are able to like play with me as they're playing with all their toys and ripping off my ponytail and stuff. So it's cool to see my nephews be able to like, have my toy and feel like, oh, this is my aunt. It's so cool and take it to school and stuff. And um, I think, yeah, the biggest deal is, like I said, just texting my brother because we were, we'd always play. We'd always be really competitive with each other and I'd always want to be my favorite player. So now I get to um, have dream matches. I can be myself. I could team with Macho Man. I can have my matches with Lita because she was like my hero growing up. Um, so I can put myself in all these different scenarios and now I'm always going to be a part of a 2k roster. It's really cool. So what was the video game that you grew up playing? What, which wrestling game was it? Um, all of them really. The first one I really got into was WCW Thunder, which I just had on a PlayStation one, I think. <laughs> and, um, I just loved being, um, Steiner brothers and I loved all the, the cruiserweight division and all that. And they all did like their little taunts when you would pick them and they had their little taunts and they would say a phrase. So I thought that was like one of my favorite things to do. I re- recognize or uh, remember and uh, memorize everyone's phrase that they would say. And I would play as Goldberg, which was cool because now he's on the cover and I get to be on the same game as Goldberg. And um, definitely the SmackDown Just Bring It was one of my favorite ones because I felt like that was when it started to really um, transform and be like you know technology started getting real crazy good and that was one that i remember like oh my gosh this is incredible <laughs> so what am i missing out on here i mean i'm listening to the people that you like playing goldberg steiner brothers you sure you probably like just ripping people's heads off in the game then <laughs> yeah 
yeah, you know, I guess that's a, there's a little bit of that aggressiveness inside of me. I thought the signers were just so cool, and, like, I don't know, they're just the way they looked. And I wasn't a huge WCW fan. Like, I didn't watch WCW as much as I watched WWE, but for some reason that game was my favorite. Everybody enjoys tweaking their favorite character and, and doing something with them, whether it's a move or a look or something. So anything in particular you want to do to your character playing 2K17? Um, if, if I can have myself come out to Austin's entrance, you know, if I could just, I'll just look like myself. It would be in the same gear, ponytail and everything. I'll be Bailey, but have Austin's entrance and watch myself come out to his music. That would be like, uh, you know, kind of a dream come true because I want to do that someday. So <laughs> I'll probably start doing that and see how cool it is. So I saw the video you did with Xavier Woods for Up, Up, Down, Down. Um, are you a big Steve Blackman fan? You you came out uh, acting like Steve? <laughs> I, I was. I would just loved his music. Like, I, I just, it's some, it was, a, I guess that was his, heck, his second theme song. But the one I came out to on the show was the one that I was just obsessed with. And I loved his, you know, coming out with nunchucks and um, some of the stuff he was doing with Al Snow. He was just hilarious. But it was mainly the music that I thought was so cool, like, when he came out on Raw or SmackDown, I would turn up the TV so I can hear his music. Wow. Did you have nunchucks growing up? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. So the parents would let you do that, but you could you could play Russell, you can have fun, you can watch it, but no no weapons of mass destruction. Nah, no weapons. <laughs> I wouldn't say my parents love that. My brother and I would wrestle in the living room, but, you know. <laughs> so how did you end up getting the nickname Pogo for when you uh, took on Sasha there? Well, um, some some people know this, but for those who don't, I'm a huge pogo stick fan. I just love to, um, when I was a kid, I, for some reason, just picked up pogo sticking, and I would take, like, challenges from my uncle, and he would say, I bet you can't go around the block and stay on it the whole time. I'll give you a dollar if you could do it. So stuff like that, I would just go all the way around the block on a pogo stick. And then I started um, pogo sticking with a jump rope, Then I started pogo sticking with um, while I was juggling, and I just love it, and I try to, like, get it into my entrance so I can start doing it on NXT, but it was a, it didn't go. It didn't fly. But that's how I came up with that one. I was going to say, going down that ramp, that might be a little bit tricky on the pogo stick. Yeah, but I can do it. I've gone upstairs, and I've gone downstairs, so I know I could do it, but we'll, I'll have to show them sometime. I was going to say, why didn't it happen then? Well, they were just, you know, <laughs> they are just watching out for my safety. I think there's Maybe they're more... waiting for if I could do it at WrestleMania. Well, there you go. You could save it for the big stage, right? Yeah, exactly. They got to save it. So, you know, right now we, we see this this whole culture when it comes to, you know, video game people. We see pop culture and it's kind of this, this geek nerd movement, you know, all over the place. And, you know, the New Day kind of has that right now. It's kind of taken over pro wrestling. Do you feel like you are a representative of that? Do you feel like you are a part of that? Um, I don't know. I guess I, I know like um, T.J. Perkins into that, and A.J. Lee was kind of, was really into that. Um, I wouldn't say I'm much of like a huge video game nerd, but maybe and I can be seen as kind of like a video game character, like just with the bright colors and my hair, and just kind of being like this little kid. Um, I kind of feel like I'm a video game character sometimes with tassels and stuff like that. So I think I kind of fit in that culture, but I'm not. I'm not like Xavier Woods where he carries around his game system with him. Right. He <laughs> freaks out every time he accidentally drops it, even though it's in this, you know, case that I, I think you could drop a bomb on it and it would be okay. But I've seen him freak out a few times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's his baby. So, obviously, with you being, you know, with WWE moving up from NXT, there's there's obviously larger audiences now. But outside of that, to you, what has felt like the biggest difference from performing in front of an NXT crowd to a WWE crowd? Um, it's kind of hard to compare it. The NXT crowds were, um, when we went outside of the state, it was every single time just, there's just so much passion. And a lot of it was because it was their first time seeing us because it was our first time being there. So, um, when you see your favorite superstars for the first time, there's like no other feeling and they couldn't, um, 
all I could say is just they're really passionate, especially when we went to the UK. And um, I strictly remember like going to Columbus, and that was our first show out of Florida. And I had a match with Charlotte, and um, just being outside of Florida, it felt like we were growing up and like taking our first steps as a child. And that's when I realized like the NXT was special because the fans really, really um, appreciated us and we all kind of felt like a family. I think because we're, you know, NXT still growing and they're growing with us. Um, when with WWE, um, you know, it's kind of a, it's a larger audience. And for me personally, since I'm still the newest member on the roster, um, everybody's still getting to know me. And um, I guess that's kind of the difference is I don't, you know, I, I'm not expecting, like, all these reactions all the time, but, like, that's kind of what I have to get used to is, all right, this is NXT, you have to reintroduce yourself, and um, it's different when we go outside of the country. Like, when we were just in South America, they were insane. I felt like I was in NXT again because they were, that was their first time seeing a lot of the roster. So it just depends on where we are, really. Obviously, you waited a while and were... You know, just chomping at the bit, obviously, to get moved up to WWE, to that roster. What was the, tell me what's the biggest positive out of having to wait as long as you did before they actually brought you up? I think if I were to have debuted the same day as Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky, I wouldn't have grown as much as I did. Being with NXT for that extra year really put the pressure on, you know, one, having to be the champion and leading the, the division. Um, we were going to all these places for the first time, so to be able to be at the forefront of that was really in- important to me. But um, also just working with all the younger girls and the newer girls, girls that were just starting up, um, girls that were just trying to get comfortable on shows, and working with people like Asuka and Nia Jax, um, someone, you know, th- those are people that are just two different competitors that I would have never had the opportunity to work with had I gone up the same time as them. So I think that's really where I learned the most throughout all my years in NXT was that last year. And I really started to become confident and comfortable with myself. And, um, so honestly, if I didn't have that last year, I don't think I would be the performer that I am now. Obviously triple H has had a profound effect on so many different talents, especially in NXT. What, what's the best piece of advice he's given you? Hmm. There's so much. Um, He's, you know, he's always one to just say, he's always tells me just to stay authentic and to be who I really am. And however I feel to react out there or whatever I'm doing is okay because um, he just wants everyone to be authentic, like to really feel it. And that's what brings out the emotion. And he always tells me that people will always remember the way you make them feel. They might not remember the moves, they might not remember the match, but they're always going to remember how you made them feel. So that's something that always sticks with me and what I'll always try to um, put off like when I go out to the to the ring or when I do the entrance or give someone a high five. I want them to feel happy and always remember that moment. So when you found out you're going to WWE, when you're going to be leaving NXT, did you have a preference on Raw or SmackDown? No, at that point I just wanted to get to WWE. So um, I saw Carmella had went to SmackDown, and I thought that would be amazing because we're best friends. But um, the, at the time, the championship was on Raw, so that was also where I wanted to be because that's one of my goals is to be the WWE Women's Champion. So, um, you know, I was kind of leaning more towards SmackDown be, or towards Raw because I knew Carmella and I would still see each other. We'd still talk all the time, but I needed to be in that title picture and having to be on the same roster with Sasha has been really helpful as well. Last few things. What was it like? Um, well, how important was it for you as one of the outstanding female stars and for the, for the women's division as a whole to see that opportunity of Charlotte against Sasha Banks headlining raw uh, last Monday? Man, it was so, I, I don't know. It was so incredible. I was trying to, um, I was trying to like keep my composure around Sasha backstage and kind of just, um, be like play it cool and just like yeah it's just you know another another day at work you're just having a you're just gonna have a great match don't worry about it but like inside I just wanted to shake her and just be like you realize what you're doing this is such a huge deal to the you know to the company and like 
your fans are going to be so like I don't know. I just wanted to shake her and like hug her and just show, tell her how happy I was. Like I was just so happy to see them at that level, and it's just another step in the division that I think uh, a step in the right way where we want that to kind of become a regular thing and be able to main event raw where it's not just like a oh my god the women are main eventing raw. Like I want it to be a normal thing and start to become a, a pay per view thing and a WrestleMania thing. So it was a step in the right division in direction. I was happy for them. Walk me through what you were doing as you were watching that match. Um, I was standing backstage, um, so nervous, <laughs> waiting for them to, you know, I just wanted her to, like, come back and hoping that she'd come back as champion. So I always get nervous watching any of the women because, like, I don't know, every, they, especially them two, they just take crazy risks. When I saw Charlotte go up to the top rope and do her little corkscrew thing, my heart dropped. But... um yeah, it was just, I get really nervous and sweaty and jittery when I watch them. <laughs> <laughs> was it scary to watch the match at SummerSlam? Because, I mean, a lot of people didn't know, but Sasha was a little bit banged up apparently going into that. And then we saw, especially that one move off the turnbuckle where she landed very awkwardly on her head and neck. And, I mean, and then just everybody watching that. It was kind of rough to, to watch and just hoping that she was going to be okay. Yeah, I, but I don't know. It's different for me because, um, especially with her, I kind of just see her as a sister. So whenever I watch her matches, I <laughs> I always like yell at her when she comes back for doing certain things or like stop, stop landing like that, stop doing that. So um, for me, watching it, and I'm always nervous for her. And uh, yeah, when that happened, I was like, oh god, I was just hoping like she was okay. Um, but that, too, it was just a huge deal. It was a SummerSlam. Like, that was a huge match. And I was standing out in the crowd, actually, for that. So to feel everyone's emotions, like, the crowd was so into that match. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. So how much pressure is there for you to master 2K17 so you can um, own everybody on the game when you play backstage? Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of pressure. I'm going to do it because I have a I have to redeem myself on up, up, down, down against Sasha. I have to beat her in something, and it'll be that, and I'll beat her as, you know, maybe I'll play as, hmm. well, it's going to have to be myself, I guess. Mm. You're not going to create Steve Blackman? Yeah, Bar- I'll, uh, I'll Steve get really Blackman? good at it. Yeah, I thought you'd create Steve Blackman or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do that. And, he came out to MVP's music, so we could do Steve Blackman versus MVP. Will it be the same uh, odds? Uh, the uh, was it the the makeup? Uh, you know, uh, the makeup punishment like the last time. <laughs> yeah, because I think I need to recreate what she did to me. What did she do to you? What face. was that? I don't know. I don't know what goes on in her head. I look like a clown. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I didn't know what she was trying to do there. So, uh, Bailey, I don't know yeah, either. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the time. I uh, keep up the fantastic work and I uh, look forward to seeing you in the, the 2K17 video game and uh, playing the character and uh, everything goes along with it. Um, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you. You got it. Nice talking to you too. Thanks again to Bailey for the conversation. Quick reminder to everybody, please subscribe to the Between the Robes podcast. You can do it in a variety of ways. iTunes and Stitcher, those are probably the easiest ways. Please rate and review the podcast there as well, especially on iTunes. And you can also find us on SoundCloud, on Google Play, as well as on the TuneIn app. We're all over the place, so there's no excuse for you not to find us and not to be listening, right? So thanks again to everybody for listening. Michael and I will be back next week with the podcast, and we'll see who else we can dig up when it comes to uh, some possible interviews for next week as well. Thanks again, everybody. Talk to you next week right here, Between the Ropes. The talking is over. Thanks for downloading Between the Ropes. You guys are awesome. Thank you. For more, go to BetweenTheRopes.com and subscribe to Between the Ropes on iTunes. Thank you. Have a nice day.